Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. So I don't have any memory from the actual accident when it happened, the day of the accident. But from what I've been told, it was my 10th day of being abroad. So I'd only been in Spain for 10 days. And I was following my normal training route, which involved crossing a busy highway to get to a path along the river. As I was crossing the highway before my classes started, um, a city bus hit me going 37 miles per hour. Tad and Maggie Weiss are today's guests on Life Support, talking about an incredible five-year journey of healing for Maggie, who was hit by a city bus while studying abroad, and what miracles God has demonstrated for the family. 25 Meters to God is the title of this program today on Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was a golden boy. All we can do right now is come together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. Hey, it's so good to have you on Life Support. What we do in this program is we love to tell stories, stories about redemption, stories about how Jesus enters into suffering and trauma. And uh, we've got a wonderful story to tell today as well. My guests, Maggie Swanson and Ted Weiss, or Tad Weiss, pardon me. The book is 25 Meters to God. You may be wondering, well, what does that mean? Well, we're going to tell that story today. Thank you so much for being here, both of you. It's Thank great you to have us. you. Yeah, thanks, Paul. So um, let's start with you, Maggie. Um, your story began when you were overseas. Tell mm-hmm. me how you got there and what you were doing over there. Yeah, so I really have to back up to, well, I guess I guess when I started college. Um, I entered my university, my, I went to St. Olaf College, and I entered as a music major and in choir and very quickly realized that my heart was really in running. So I joined the cross-country team uh, my sophomore year, quick choir, um, didn't want to miss a cross-country season, so, oh, I also met, entered as a Spanish major. So, wanted to study abroad, didn't want to miss a cross-country season. So, how was I going to do that? I was going to study abroad over the summer. So, that's how I got into Spain um, the summer after my sophomore year. Um, because not wanting to miss a cross-country season, still training for the upcoming race season. You may be the only person I've ever met that's actually said, I wanted to run cross country. (laughs) Because normally those cross country coaches in school are chasing after people. We want you to run. (laughs) What was it about cross country that drew you in? What did you like about running? Mm -hmm. Well, my dad, so this is even going further back. In high school, my senior year of high school, actually the summer before my senior year, my dad floated the idea that... Wouldn't it be cool if we tried to run a marathon together before you go to college? And I thought about it for a little bit and came to the conclusion, yes, I do want to run a marathon with my dad. So we trained together, uh, raced together. I ended up loving it. So I wasn't racing at that point. Um, But that was where the long distance love really, really started. All right. And then you took that overseas. So you're you're there and... Tell me about the day that all of this happened. What, was it a normal day that you were just got up in the morning, another another day here, and everything kind of changed, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so I don't have any memory from the actual accident when it happened, the day right. of the accident. But from what I've been told, it was my 10th day of being abroad, so I'd only been in Spain for 10 days. And I was following my normal training route, which involved crossing a busy highway to get to a path along the river. As I was crossing the highway before my classes started, um, a city bus hit me going 37 miles per hour um, and launched me 25 meters into the air. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so for we Americans, that's about 75 feet, right? Yeah, one of the – a good reference point is the swimming pool is usually 25 yards or 25 meters. So if you go look at a regular lap pool, that's how far right, Maggie 25 was launched, yards, yeah. launched through the air. That's so, a long way. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And then when did you find out about this, Dad? When were you told? Yeah, so the accident happened on June 5th of 2014. It was a Thursday. Happened at 7.30 in the morning in Spain. There's a seven-hour time difference between here and uh, and where she was at in Spain. So I was at work, and uh, I'd just gotten into my office, had just started an 8 o'clock a.m. meeting, starting what I thought was a normal work day when there was a knock on the door, and, and my assistant told me there was someone on the phone from Spain that needed to talk with me, and uh, I pretty easily sensed that something was wrong, and, and that's when uh, we got the news and when our journey began. Wow. Yeah, that kind of gives you a pit in your stomach when you get a call like that, even before you pick up the phone, right? Yeah, it really did, and and as we've as we've looked back, you can just see God's hand, even from the in so many ways on the even the first day. Uh, it was in hindsight a blessing that it took them eight hours to get a hold of me because it would have been the middle of the night here in Minneapolis. Nothing we could have done until until that time. We got the call at eight a.m. My wife Wendy and I were on a flight to Chicago on our way to Seville by 10 o'clock in the morning. So just amazing how, in hindsight, we could see God orchestrating what needed to happen for us to get over to Maggie's side as quickly as we could. Yeah. Um, I find it interesting that you're an athlete because a lot of the story is recovery. And um, given the fact that you were a runner, uh, I'm I'm sure that's going to feed into some of the struggles that you've had. But you said you didn't remember anything for a long time, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was about a month before before my memories came back. So I so don't remember anything from the day of, which was June 5th. And then my first memory is the fireworks outside of Bethesda Hospital, um, which July 4th. Back here in the States. Yes. Yeah, wow. That's You only see that in the movies normally, and it was really happening to you. And so, Tad, tell me about that flight over there. What was it like to be flying there and not quite knowing, I'm sure, what you're going to encounter. Yeah, it, it um, that, that was a very hard flight. Uh, we, we flew to Chicago, then Chicago to Madrid. So that was an eight-hour overseas flight. And uh, technology's come a long ways on planes since then. There wasn't any, there wasn't any Wi-Fi. There wasn't any, uh, any messages for those eight hours. So uh, just uh, my wife, Wendy, and, and uh, and me praying together, praying that Maggie would be alive when we got there to see her, that there wouldn't be a message waiting for us on our phones when we landed, uh, and, and there wasn't. And uh, but just a lot of uh, a lot of time in in prayer and in silence, 
nothing to do for those eight hours except uh, pour out your heart to God and, and pray for the best. And Yeah, and wait. And what were you discovering about God during that period of time? Because you had invested in your faith before that. You, you, knew, you knew God. Were you discovering new things already as you were on the way? We, we really did, and that's that's a big part of what we talk about in the in the book is just how we saw God show up from the beginning when we when we got the news. And those first you know that first day flying over, no sleep overnight and and just the adrenaline and it took us about uh, twenty nine hours to get to her bedside in the hospital. Um, and so that was a very, uh, obviously very intense and emotional. When we saw her for the first time in the ICU, it didn't even look like her uh, with all of the bruising and swelling on, on her body. Uh, she had uh, a badly shattered pelvis, seven broken ribs, um, and most, uh, the worst part was a traumatic brain injury on two parts of her brain, the front and the back of her brain. Didn't even look like our daughter. So that was that first that first meeting with her, first time we were with her in the hospital was very unsettling. When we were leaving the hospital, when we were leaving the hospital room, a man came up to us, a male nurse, and he said to, spoke to us in English and said, don't worry, I've seen this many times before. Your daughter is going to be okay. She's going to be okay. Wow. And that was the only male nurse we ever saw the only nurse that spoke English to us in our entire time in Spain. And we just believe he was an angel sent by God to calm and comfort us. Paul will return with Tad and Maggie in just a moment. Trauma healing is the topic of this program. And if you know of someone going through their own journey with trauma, there are resources available online at lifesupportresources.org. One-to-one care videos, blogs, and small group resources, all dealing with trauma and trauma healing. Again, that website is lifesupportresources.org, and all of the resources are free to you. And now back to Pastor Paul. When we were leaving the hospital room, a man came up to us, a male nurse, and he said to, spoke to us in English and said, don't worry. I've seen this many times before. Your daughter is going to be okay. She's going to be okay. Wow. And that was the only male nurse we ever saw, the only nurse that spoke English to us in our entire time in Spain. And we just believe he was an angel yeah. sent by God to yeah. calm and comfort us. And well, that would be biblical. I mean, angels can take human form and they show up at those times. And it's a lot of times like, wow, I've never seen that person again. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And and then what was it like then? So you had to watch over her there for almost a month, right? Yeah, we were in Spain for, for 23 days. The, the amazing part is that almost every, I would say every day that we saw her, she just looked a little bit better. And it was, it was early on in the, in the journey where God told us, I've got her. I saved her. I'm going to heal her. And I've got other things for you to do here in Spain besides worrying about your daughter. Hmm. I've got that part. And he just showed us that in, in multiple ways through, through Scripture, uh, through events that happened, through the body of believers that came alongside of us. I started to write on Caring Bridge when we, when we landed in Spain. 
I didn't even know what Caring Bridge was when we when the accident happened. We land, we get in the hotel room. My wife says, "We got to set up a Caring Bridge page," and I was like, "What's that?" Okay, and, yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. so I started writing on Caring Bridge, and and those writings became a big part of the book, and were kind of what what uh, what got the book jump started. But a big part of it was the body of believers back here in Minneapolis, and as it turns out, around the world that came alongside of us praying for Maggie. One of the cool things is that we knew that there were probably 100 people at any given point in the day that were praying for Maggie, and that was such a huge comfort to us when we tried to go to sleep at night. And what were the doctors telling you about um, long-term prognosis at that point? They really didn't know. And, and they were very honest about that, so they were, they were encouraging. An interesting part is that the doctors all spoke Spanish, so everything that we heard was through a translator. That's why and, we need angels. <laughs> yeah. Angels and, can speak any language. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, so that was, that was challenging to get all of these medical updates, you know, yeah. through a translator. And the, the doctor and the translator would talk back and forth really fast for a minute. And then the translator would turn to us and say, she's doing better. <laughs> right. And you're like, okay, what, what else did you talk about for a minute there? So, but they, were, they really did a good job of, of relaying that information and, and helping us. And we just, you know, we just continued to see her heal. The first four days were critical for her to stay alive. Um, it, one, they felt that once she got through four days that her life would no longer be in danger. So that was a huge hurdle to get over. They did perform surgery on her pelvis a week after the accident, so that was a huge hurdle to get over that. And then it was probably about the second week when she started to come to, was able to start speaking, uh, able to start eating, and and those were all obviously huge, um, uh, huge milestones right, right. in her recovery. The book is called Twenty Five Meters to God, and uh, we're telling the story about Maggie's uh, accident and the family's reaction and so forth. And so how did you transport her back here then? You don't remember, Mm-mm. but was she conscious and did you get her on an airplane? Is that how that went? Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's another really awesome part of the story and just God's, God's provision. There was a guy who, who came alongside me. His name was Todd. And I'd met him once before the accident, and he started emailing me. And it was like it was like he knew what I was going to be facing that day as we were coming alongside Maggie and dealing with the police and with attorneys and, and everything else that was going on over there. And he just had this uh, God-given ability to, to say, here's what I think you're going to need to be prepared for today. His discernment his ability to do that was was amazing and it and he really had my attention i was always excited when i got his emails about 10 days in he told me that that about this service which was called angel med flight where you can fly back someone from a foreign country back to the states uh in, in a private plane and and he told me about it. And it was the first time I thought that he'd kind of missed the mark in his recommendations to us because we were not in a hurry to get Maggie back. We, we needed to stay there until she was stable and able to come back. So I, I kind of let that one go and, and said, all right, you know, everybody can miss miss the mark on one. I'm, I still I still like the, the advice that he's giving me. 
and uh, through a convergence of events, we we uh, about 21 days in, it just became very clear to us that now was the time to fly Maggie home. Uh, I made some phone calls to the insurance company and told them about this service that that could fly us back on a private plane, and uh, uh, and they ended up uh, approving that and, and paying for that. And uh, so we, middle of the night on, on the 23rd day, two o'clock in the morning, our, uh, I say the Calvary showed up and, and loaded Maggie and, and me into an ambulance and we drove to the Seville airport and loaded on this beautiful plane that took us on, uh, on five flights from Seville back to Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport. Wow. So God was watching out for you this whole time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, Maggie, you woke up here in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, what were your first thoughts? Were How confusing was that for you? So brain trauma is is interesting. Um, I was I was very confused. Um, I really just couldn't grasp my injuries. I was I was expecting to go back to college and run cross country in the fall. And that was I expressed that to my parents a lot that I really hoped to do that. And my parents told me from the start, tried to tried to let me down easy. Mm-hmm. You know, this probably this probably won't happen. Um and it was, and I did end up going back to college that that fall semester as a part time student. And the day that we decided to do that was just a really joyous day. I was so happy to be able to go back and resume at least part of my normal life. But the day that I really grasped you're not going to be able to run cross country, that that was hard. Um, and it was just a gradual a gradual realization of what I wasn't going to be able to do. Um, and it was a really hard, it was a really hard fall and a really hard rest of the summer. But I have, I had great support um, in my family and and my friends in my church, and that that helped. That really helped. It must have been even uh, more, um, I guess, shocking that you don't remember the accident. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, normally you would be able to put two and two together and say, "Well, that happened, so this will be the result." But here you are coming out of the darkness. You don't even know what happened. Mm-hmm. So that had to be a, a huge shock to your system. Well, definitely, and you know. Like, even though I don't remember part of it, I was conscious for at least a couple weeks. Um, so mm-hmm. I was aware, um, mm-hmm. but I, I wasn't I wasn't aware of how hurt I was. And because at that point, my pelvis had been set um, like every like I was healing. But I didn't recognize like, you know, you really you can't walk. So mm-hmm. my dad's got a funny story about how how he came. He came he stepped out for a second for some reason and came back and he was and I was on on my feet and he's like Maggie what are you doing <laughs> and I, I don't remember the story yeah, exactly yeah, you, you weren't supposed to be standing at yeah, that point yeah, yeah, yeah. and I uh, couldn't leave her couldn't leave her for a second but right right but uh, you know after another three weeks back at hospitals in in Minneapolis and St. Paul we were able to bring her home um, so that was um, roughly six weeks after the accident, six or seven weeks. 
And then we we talked and talked with her doctors and said, you know, we think the best thing is for her to go back to school. And, and so she did uh, in the fall. And she did uh, on a reduced course load, but did well in her courses with, with some academic accommodations. I think the... You know, the other parts of, of college life were a little bit more of a challenge than, than the classwork, more of the social aspects and things like that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but she continued to heal. She was cleared to start running four months after the accident, wow. So, wow. Uh, which, was a, which was amazing. And uh, um, that was a joy for her to be able to do that and, and to get that part of her life back. And um, her physical healing continued. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Meg, I asked your dad this question. I'll ask it to you as well. What were you learning about God during this uh, early recovery process? Well, looking back, I was definitely learning perseverance, perseverance and hard work, doing what God puts in front of you, and and also trust, realizing that the bad things that happen to you, they don't have to define you. Mm-hmm. So God helped me to see it's really what you make of the challenges in your life. It's not the challenges that happen to you. It's what you can make of it. Um, and he can use everything for good. He was teaching me that, still is teaching me that everything, everything that happens, he can turn to good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you had to learn that um, the hard way, I guess, is yeah. one, one way to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was happening here now? So your wife was here this whole this whole no, time she, went, she was with she you she went with me yeah okay so, we, we, so you were together there we were together there watching she, over one maggie. of us could fly back with maggie on the on on the private plane i when, see when okay. he flew back with our luggage mm-hmm. and uh, but yeah we were together for the entire 23 days in spain and and it was actually you know a beautiful time in our in our marriage and for us we we literally were by each other's side the entire 23 days, except for maybe one hour. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we process this together. We work through it together. We often say, I don't know how we could have done it alone and, and with, without each other. Uh, you know, when, when one was strong, when one was falling, uh, or weak, the other was strong and, and sure. could, could hold, hold us up. So, um, so it actually, you know, ended up being a really, really special time in, in our in our marriage and in our faith journey. And to Maggie's point, you know, so many as we can look back on the accident now, which we're coming up on the 10 year anniversary, which is crazy. Um, but as you as you look back on it, you just see all these things that have happened in our lives, all these things that have happened in others' lives, and how they've grown in their faith and, and, um, you know, made changes that they want to make in their lives by looking at Maggie as, as an example and seeing God's faithfulness. And, and so many of these things just wouldn't have happened without, without the accident. And it's a hard one to get your, to get your brain around. You like to think that God could, uh, that God would, you know, cause all these things to happen without her having to go through such a difficult trauma. But, that's that's not how we view it. We mm-hmm. we view it that you know he knew he knew what was going to happen beforehand. He knew how I would grow in my faith. He knew how yep. others would react to it. He knew what he was you know what was going to happen with Maggie. And this was 
this. So we, we just have total faith in, in his plan and his trust for doing that. And things like that that have happened in Maggie's life and in our lives just don't happen when times are good and when yeah. times are easy. And we spend so much of our lives trying to make things easy. But the biggest growth comes during the difficult times if you allow God to walk beside you and carry you when you need it. Yeah, that's a great message. All right, so the book, 25 Meters to God, um, how can someone get this book? Where to find it? We have a website, which is 25meters.com. So it's the number 25meters.com. And that'd be the best place to get it. It uh, And that, that's through our publisher, Redemption Press. Okay, so we're going to have you back, and we're going to pick up the story where we left it. I'm sure there's more to tell. and um, But I, it sure is great to meet you both. Um, and and thank you for your testimony. Thank you for your faith and, and helping uh, the rest of us understand how better to follow Jesus through suffering. Thank you so much for that. Great to have you here. Um, and if you're right now listening and you're saying to yourself, you know what, um, I don't know. I don't know if I really trust God that much. Here's a verse that might encourage you, Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. And uh, when you hear a story um, like this, you, you really understand that God is a faithful God. And it's not necessarily about the outcome, it's about the process and about what God is doing in our lives. And so be encouraged that he is with you, he knows you, he loves you, and um, whatever happens next in your life, it will be God that will be going before you. I'd love to thank our partners that helped make this show possible. Thank you to Faith Radio and KTIS at MyFaithRadio.com is where you can find this program. At Five Stone Media, you can see a video version. That's FiveStoneMedia.com, and you can catch us here at Ridgewood Church as well at MyRWC.org. And thank you so much for listening to Life Support. Thanks for listening to this Life Support podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Life Support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of Life Support.